You've just tuned into the Unify podcast from Unify Youth. Our goal is to equip young people with the Word of God so they can live empowered in Christ and tackle the challenges of this world. Tune in for weekly sermons, devotions, and interviews. Welcome to the Unify podcast. Well, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verse 1 down to verse 13. Genesis, chapter 3, verses 1 through to 13. Let us hear God's words to us. Genesis 3, beginning in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God coming among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. That is God's word. Join me in prayer, and then we're going to get into this very important passage together tonight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for this passage of Scripture. We learn something so important in this chapter about us, about the world we're in. And I pray that you would give us the understanding that we need. I pray that we would be able to see clearly in ways that we may not have seen before. I pray that you would help us to see your grace and your goodness as well. And I do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The world that you and I live in today is a world filled with so many problems. People get sick. 
people suffer, people are sad, there are diseases that get spread, there's natural disasters that happen like earthquakes. I read of one that happened in Melbourne yesterday. But there are real bad earthquakes that happen that kill a lot of people. Uh, there are tsunamis. There are other horrible disasters that happen to people. Uh, the worst thing of all that happens in this world that every single one of us lives in is death. People die. And there is a real sadness that all of us have to experience as a part of living in this world. And it really doesn't matter who you are. You can get as much money as you want. You can move to a destination that you want, but you will never escape sickness, suffering, and sadness. Those things are a part of this world. And it's amazing that you can look at a person in the eyes from a completely different country who speaks a completely different language and the two of you might try to have a conversation you've got no idea what that person is saying. You walk away thinking, I don't understand those words. But isn't it interesting that if that person is suffering, you can look at them in the eyes and you can speak the language of suffering, can't you? You might not understand someone's words, but you can tell that someone is hurting. Someone's experiencing pain and sadness. Now that's the world that every one of us lives in. But the world wasn't always like that. Remember in Genesis chapter 1 that God created the heavens and the earth. He formed it and he filled it and after he made it all he said it is very good. There was nothing wrong with the world. Everything worked. Everything looked good. There were no weeds. Uh, there were no disasters. There was no death. Everything worked. It was beautiful. It was perfect. I could not imagine what it would be like to live in an environment where nothing went wrong. If there was such a thing as news back then, there would be no bad news on the news. It would all be good news. The garden's growing really well today. The animals are all good. Life is great. It is all very good. Every news report would finish. It is good today. That's how the world was. And of course, you learnt about very first humans who were made Adam and Eve. And they were made with the capacity of being upright and perfect. They were without sin. They had no struggles. No stress. There was... No difficulties in their life whatsoever. But the condition that Adam and Eve lived in, in being upright and perfect, being an environment which had no sin at all, did not last long. How long did it take from the world to be described as very good in Genesis 1 with this beautiful description of the purpose of man in Genesis 1, 26 to 31, and again in chapter 2 concerning uh, the first marriage in all of history, how long did it take to be going amazing to all of a sudden a disaster? Well, it all goes downhill in chapter 3. We're so early into the story of the Bible, only the third chapter, and we go from 
delight to difficulty. It's like we go from daytime to night. Genesis chapter 2, the birds are flying and singing and everything's wonderful. It's all great. And in Genesis 3, it's like a dark storm and everything's terrible. What on earth happened? That is a very important question. And you know why it's an important question? Because if you understand what happened in Genesis chapter 3, that is going to give you an explanation as to why things go bad in this world. You see, if this world was in existence because it was a random coincidence, then there is no such thing as good or bad. Whatever happens, happens. And no one's allowed to say that's good or bad. There's no standard. But because God actually created the world and said this is good, then whatever's not good is bad. There's a reason why bad things happen in this world. And the Bible gives us an answer for it. How did everything in the world get to the point that we are now, where horrible things are happening? Because if you remember, when God made Adam, he made Adam in his image. And as an image bearer of God, that means he made Adam in his likeness. He made Adam like God. In what way? He made Adam to be like God because God is the ruler of everything. And God wanted Adam to be his ruler on earth. He gave Adam a responsibility that he did not give to the angels, he did not give to the animals, and he certainly didn't give to the plants. He gave it to this human being. But last time I checked, no human being is actually ruling over the earth the way God said it was supposed to be done. And it's because something horrible happened. Well, let's learn about the horrible thing that happened. And it's found in Genesis chapter 3. Now, I have two points for you this evening. And I think you might actually have the points in your program. So that's a good head start. We're going to talk about the entrance of sin into this world. How sin actually came into this world. And secondly, we're going to talk about the effects of sin. Another way of saying that is we're going to talk about how this horrible sin invaded our planet and why that it has wrecked everything. And we're going to talk about the things that happen because sin is here. Sin makes things broken. It ruins everything. So that's what we're going to look at in this study. So let's come to this first point that we're going to look at tonight, and that is the entrance of sin into the world. How did sin come into the world? Well, first of all, we have to start off with a definition, don't we? And that is sin. What is sin? Uh, we haven't seen sin in Genesis chapter 1. We haven't seen sin in Genesis chapter 2. And suddenly we're going to be told that sin makes a grand entrance into the world. It, it intrudes, it breaks in to the earthly experience. Adam and Eve had no idea what sin was. Well, let me give you a, a definition of sin. And this is found in the New Testament in a book called 1 John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. If you're taking notes, you can write that down because it's a very good verse to be familiar with and to memorize and to look up later. But in 1 John 3 and verse 4, we read that sin is 
lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. A way of describing sin could be this. Sin is breaking the law of God. God, you see, is righteous. He's right. He has a perfect standard. It's who he is. God's ways are perfect. Everything he does is right and just. God has a perfect law. And God even took this perfect law and he wrote it on Adam and Eve's heart. And it's actually written on your hearts as well. It's written on the heart of every human being. You can get a summary of that law in the Ten Commandments. But God has written that law on all of our hearts. And sin is breaking that law. Going against the law of God. Well, sin came into the world the moment Adam and Eve broke God's law. Now, before we look at the actual breaking of God's law, we have to remind ourselves of how good it was for Adam and Eve in this garden. Now, I've got a pretty good imagination and I like to imagine what Adam and Eve could have got up to in this garden. But I don't really know all the things that they got to do. But what I do know is Adam and Eve are living in paradise. They're married. There are animals all over the place. There are trees and plants and beautiful scenes. Water flowing through the garden and everything is perfect. And the one who made all of this out of nothing is God. He made it all out of nothing. He made it beautiful and he said it's good. And listen, when God says something's good, it's got to be good because he's perfect. And Adam and Eve, who are without any sin, could you imagine how handsome Adam would have looked, how beautiful Eve would have looked? No defect, no problems at all. They are physically strong, physically healthy, and they are enjoying the goodness of God. God is so good to them. He brought them into existence. He places them into the garden and he gives them this amazing freedom. In Genesis 2, he says that I permit you to eat of all these trees. Enjoy everything. I've made it for you and I want you to enjoy it. Except for one tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I forbid you from eating that fruit because the day you eat of that fruit, Genesis 2.17, you shall surely die. How good is God? He gave them all of that. He didn't owe it to Adam and Eve. Remember, God is the creator. Anything he gives them is a privilege. And how much did he give them? He gave them so much. So much to enjoy, so much to love, so much to benefit from. And Adam's one job is this. He has to tend and keep the garden. Another way of saying it is, Adam, you've got one job, provide and protect. And Eve, you've got one job, help Adam do that. Wow. God says enjoy. 
and spread my glory across the world. Then we come into Genesis 3. I don't think very long went by at all. In Genesis chapter 3, we have the entrance of sin into the world. The entrance of God's law being broken for the first time in human experience. It's actually not the first time sin came into the universe because the one who tempts Adam and Eve was actually sinful. He wasn't created sinful, but he wasn't a part of the physical material world. And we'll get to him in just a moment. So what happens with the entrance of sin in the world is first of all, we're introduced to the tempter. Have a look at verse one. Now the snake, the serpent, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. It's the first half of verse one that I want you to focus on. The first half of verse one, we're introduced to the tempter. Who is this tempter? Well, he comes in the form of a snake. I think this was a real snake. But the one behind this snake is somebody who has great power, someone who is very clever, someone who is very cunning. He's not as powerful as God. He's actually a creature. He was created by God. But he's clever. We learn as we continue to read through the Bible that the one behind this snake was the devil. Satan. We learn this in Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 20, where we learn that he is called the devil, Satan, the accuser and the serpent of old. According to Jesus, this devil, Satan, was a liar and murderer from the beginning. John 8, 44. He's the father of lies. The Bible also calls him the evil one, the prince of the power of the air, the dragon. The Bible has many names for him. I don't want to spend a long time talking about him, but I, I want to acknowledge him because he's introduced here in verse 1. He was created as an angel, an angel without sin. He appears to have been a leading angel, one of the most powerful of angels. But in ways that we do not fully understand, he rebelled against his creator. This all happened in heaven. He was created and he rebelled. He was filled with so much pride. He hated what God had made on earth. He certainly would have hated the fact that God made man in his image, that God made a man to be the ruler of the earth, to be made in the likeness of God. He certainly would have hated that. And he was filled with 
pride that he rejected God. He rebelled against God and he was expelled out of heaven. And evidently there were some other angels who followed him. And these angels, the Bible has another name for them and they're called demons. And the devil, who is the leader of the demons, continues to roam through this world today. I want you to be aware that he is described as a roaring lion, according to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. He's roaming around and he's seeking someone to devour. According to 1 John 5 and verse 19, the whole world lays under the sway of the evil one. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. God is in control of the entire universe, but he is permitted that this evil one holds the world under his sway. He is infusing it and influencing it with evil. Satan hates God. And of course, Satan and his followers, the demons, do not have a second chance. They are ordained to go to hell. They will one day be eternally punished and they will be sent to the lake of fire. I might return to that in a few moments. But this one, this creature, Satan, is powerful. And he hates God. Full of evil, wickedness. Hates the law of God. And he hates anything that God says is good. He possesses a snake. Now, the snake talks to Adam and Eve. Now, when I read that, I think to myself, that's weird. Like, have any of you seen a talking snake? I've seen talking birds, but they're not really that smart. They're just repeating what other people have said. But I've never seen a snake that talks. That would be really strange. You walk past a snake and you're in the... um, enclosure area and all of a sudden this snake sort of looks at you through the glass and you're staring at it and the snake then says so how are you going today like you'd be thinking whoa (laughs) now adam and eve didn't seem to be shocked well i guess adam and eve are still discovering all these new things that god's made so i'm not necessarily surprised that adam and eve aren't shocked but this snake talks to them but i want you to see that there is a tempter in the garden An intruder has come into this beautiful garden. This snake does not belong there. Satan does not belong in this new temple that God has made. This garden city. He's there. And he's there to tempt. He's there to tell Adam and Eve that God is not good. He's there to convince them that you should not trust God. You should not think that God is good, but instead you should do what you want. He's going to do two things, and this is what we call the temptation. So we see the tempter in the first half of verse 1. Now we see the temptation. And he does two things. He tempts Adam and Eve 
with the goal of having Adam and Eve break God's law. That's his one job. He, he wants them to break God's law. And how does he do that? Well, he's got a strategy that involves two things. First of all, he is going to sink his bite into Adam and Eve by having them not believe that God is good. That's the first thing he wants to do. If he can convince them that God is not good, he is well on his way of thrusting his poison into their soul. Secondly, his fang is going to inject something else into them. He not only wants them to become convinced that God is good, he wants them to become convinced that the most important thing is to do what gratifies you. To do what pleases you. Satan does not want Adam and Eve to glorify God by enjoying him forever. He doesn't want that. He wants them to think, God's not actually good. And I want to do what I want. So let's see how he does this. We see in the second half of verse 1, he asked the woman a question. Now, straight away, before we look at his poison that he's going to inject into the man and the woman, do you notice who he speaks to first? He went to the woman first. Huh. It's very easy to read this and just skip over that, but he knows what he's doing. Who did God create first with the task of being the provider and protector of the garden? Adam. Adam was to be leading. And then he made the woman who was beautiful and precious to be the queen of the king in the garden, to come alongside him and help. And what the snake does, what Satan does, is he ignores God's order and he goes straight to the woman. He is bypassing the order that God had created. This is Satan immediately saying, I disregard God. I don't care about him and I am going against what he has ordered in the garden. But here is the first lethal injection. He asked the woman a question. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. What he's doing here is he's beginning to set Eve up to question God's goodness. Has God really said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He's trying to help Eve to begin to think and question why God has said what he said. Eve responds in verse 2 and says to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the, free, the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. 
Now, Eve's partly right. God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But God never said, lest you touch it, you, you can't touch it. Uh, Eve's adding that and she seems to be adding an extra uh, rule to somehow protect themselves from doing what God had said. But Satan is beginning to get into their minds, getting into Eve's mind to make her think that, hmm, so God has said you can eat everything, but, but there's one tree you can't eat, huh? Somehow implying that God is being unfair. It's almost like he's making them think, wow, that, that's, that's not very nice of God, is it? <laughs> he put you in this garden, he gave you all these trees and you can eat it all, but you can't have that one. What's wrong with God? Why wouldn't God let you do that one, Eve? Oh, this is a, a very subtle, clever way. But what Satan's trying to do is make Eve not think of, wow, how good is God that he's even let us eat one. But he's let us eat them all except for one. But instead now she's being drawn to the fact that there's, there is one that we're not allowed to eat. Satan does not want you to think God is good. Satan wants you to think that God does things that are unfair. Satan wants you to think that you're missing out on things. Satan wants you to think that what God has given you is not enough. Satan doesn't want you to be satisfied in God. Satan wants you to begin to be unsatisfied in him. And that's what he does. After he injects this first lethal poison, he then asks Eve a second question. Verse 4, The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. You know what Satan's saying? There is God's a liar. Eve said, look, the day I eat of it, I will die. That's what God said, Genesis 2.17. You will die. But Satan is saying, no, you won't. You're not actually going to die. God's not telling the truth. God is hiding something from you, so the devil claims. Now, someone might read this and think, but wait a minute, Adam and Eve do go ahead and eat the fruit, spoiler alert, and they don't die immediately. They go on and have children. In fact, Adam lives for 950 years, according to Genesis chapter 5. They didn't die straight away, but they did. And I'll explain to you how they died in just a moment. But what I want you to see here is Satan is questioning God now. He starts off subtly making Eve begin to question God's goodness. Now Satan outrightly is saying that God's actually not telling the truth. Now look at the temptation specifically. It's found in uh, verse 5. He says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, Eve, if you just eat this fruit, guess what? You will actually become like God. <laughs> Wait a minute, Satan. Genesis chapter 1 says they're already like God. But he is trying to make them think that if you do what you want, you will be like him. And God doesn't want you to be like him. The problem is the moment Adam and Eve eat this fruit, they'll actually become unlike God. 
and would have been deceived by Satan. But Satan is lying to them. Eve is standing there all of a sudden thinking, wow, you're right. There's one tree that I'm not allowed to eat the fruit of. And if I eat it, I will become great. I will be like God. Satan is wanting Eve to think about God is not good and I want you to be gratified. I want you to have your longings and desires for greatness. So we read in verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. You know, the moment sin came into the world wasn't when Eve picked the fruit. It wasn't when she placed her teeth into the flesh of the fruit and crunched it. It wasn't when she gulped and swallowed it. Sin came into the world the moment she saw that it would be good to eat this fruit. Sin came the moment she wanted to break God's law. This is the first time in human history the law of God has been broken. Eve now wants to do something. She hasn't even done it yet, but she wants to do something that God has said not to. She was tempted and she was deceived and she failed. She saw it and after she saw it, she took it and she ate it. But here is the stunning thing. Look at what it says at the end of verse 6. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Where was Adam the whole time Eve was having this conversation with the snake? He was right next to her. He's supposed to be providing and protecting. And he lets Eve lead. He lets Eve have the authority in this situation. And he goes against what God commanded him to do. And Adam eats the fruit as well. And the moment the man and the woman ate that fruit, sin had completely taken over. If you could imagine the Garden of Eden, all beautiful, lush, green, animals looking incredible, perfect weather conditions, Adam standing tall and strong, Eve standing by his side, looking beautiful. And then suddenly, as Adam and Eve disobeyed God, it's like the sky becomes black. 
the animals start becoming scary. Adam and Eve look horrible. And it's like a storm comes in. Now, I'm not saying all of that is exactly what happened, but it's like that's what's going on here. Something changed instantly. And this is where we move to the second point. We've talked about the entrance of sin into the garden. We now come to the effects of sin. Now that sin is in the garden, now that the law of God has been broken, what happens? Did Adam and Eve get away with it? Did they just become like God and they're now greater? Was the serpent right? Was it worth actually doing this? Was that a good decision? Was that something that they thought, wow, the rest of humanity are going to thank us? What does it say? We read in verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. Now, that's pretty obvious. Of course, they knew they were naked. They didn't have any clothes on when they were first born. And when I say they were first born, first created, they, they were created as full-grown adults and they didn't have any clothes on. But they didn't feel ashamed about it because there was no sin in the world. But, but now, suddenly, they noticed their nakedness. They, they noticed that something's wrong. They just feel the need of hiding. They feel guilty. They feel ashamed. Something's just happened to them. They, they, they knew they were naked, so they went ahead and sewed big leaves together to make themselves covering. Somehow they thought by performing these works that they would be okay now with God by putting in their own effort to fix the situation that God will be okay with them. They at least felt that that may sort everything out. They don't know what sin is and it's just come into their lives and it's just changed the way they're thinking. And now they're all messed up. They think that God's going to be pleased with us if we just take care of ourselves. If we put in our effort, God will be pleased with us. He will be okay with us. We will no longer feel bad. The, the pain will go. The shame will go. My guilt will go if I just do what I think is right. They, they didn't think that way before, but now they do. Sin has changed the way they think. We read in verse 8 that they then heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. For the first time, Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. Beforehand, if the Lord spoke to them, they, they would have listened to their creator. They heard his commands, be fruitful and multiply, eat of the garden, spread my glory they heard the Lord. They listened to him. But now they're, they're scared of him. They're hiding from God. Now, of course, you can't hide from God. That's one of the most silliest things to ever think you can do. You really think you can hide from the one who is everywhere? You can hide from the one who knows all things? You can hide from the one whose eyes are in every place? You might be able to hide yourself in a room with no one else there. You might be able to think things that no one else can hear you can't hide a thing from God. 
Adam and Eve, what on earth were they thinking? So Adam and Eve are trying to make themselves right with God by dressing themselves. Adam and Eve are trying to hide from God by getting behind a little bush or something. What's messed them up? Why are Adam and Eve thinking this way? Well, the answer is because sin has come into the world. I want to talk about the effects of sin for a moment. If sin is breaking God's law, what does sin do to us? The moment you sin, you are separated from God. Not separated from his sight, but separated from his favor. You instantly become an enemy of God the moment sin is in your life. Instantly. And according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, all those who are in sin are dead in their trespasses and sin. Sin brings spiritual death. Adam and Eve actually died instantly in the Garden of Eden, spiritually. Their soul was completely separated from God. It was without life before God. Not only had they instantly died, but sin had spread throughout their entire being. Their whole soul, their whole body and mind had become corrupt. And now their first desire is always to please themselves and not God anymore. That's what sin does. Sin not only separates us from God, but sin spreads into our whole being and it takes over the mission control center of your being, your heart, and your heart is desperately wicked. Sin makes you unable to please God. Sin makes you unrighteous in God's eyes. Sin makes you not good. Sin prevents you from seeking after God. Sin puts you in a condition where you are totally corrupt. That's what sin does. And that's what's now happened to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve have now died spiritually. They've been separated from God. Adam and Eve now feel the darkness of sin and they are now desiring to do things that aren't pleasing to God. Adam and Eve are now unable to be pleasing to God by themselves. Beforehand, they could please God by obeying him. Now they can't because they don't want to obey him. They don't have the ability to obey him. And you know what else is very interesting? According to Romans chapter 5, in verses 12 to following, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when God made Adam, he not only made Adam to be the first man, but he actually made Adam to be the representative of every other human being after him. So when Adam disobeyed God, that not only brought consequences to his life, but guess whose life Adam's sin spreads to as well? the life of every other human being except for one other man. 
Think of it like this. Adam is like the first domino. And every other human being, including you, is in a long line of other dominoes. And when Adam fell, guess what? Every other domino in the world fell, including you. Adam fell from his upright condition and has now become a sinner. And when Adam sinned, you became a sinner as well. That actually means you're born a sinner. When you grow up, you then act upon your nature and, and become a sinner by choice. But every human being is born in sin. And that means because every human being is sinful, every human being by themselves is unable to please God is unable to save themselves. Every human being is unable to do good. Every human being is unable to do that which is righteous. Now, God put his law on Adam's heart and he still put his law on every other human being's heart, but because of sin, that law is darkened. People can see it a little bit and that's why people who aren't Christians will have a sense of right and wrong. If they have five dollars in their hand and you steal someone's $5 note, guess what someone will say to you? Hey, that's mine. That's not fair. That's wrong. Why do they think it's wrong? Because the law of God's in their heart telling them it's wrong. But some unbelievers are so handed over to their sin, they don't even notice that law in their heart. But sin breaks us all. And that is the effect of sin in the Garden of Eden. It affected Adam and Eve immediately. And since then, human beings are trying to be right with God. The problem is they don't know who is God, so they, they create a God. Uh, it's either a statue, it's either some other God, and they, they find a God, and in order to be pleasing to that God, they've got to do all these good works. That's like Adam and Eve dressing themselves, going, oh, God will be okay with us now. And that's what every human religion has been trying to do ever since. It's trying to dress itself up and look acceptable before God. But God looks at that and I'm not pleased by that. What God is after is perfect righteousness. And that's what Adam was supposed to do. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it for himself and he couldn't do it for all of humanity. Adam failed and he failed miserably and of course there are further effects God then says to the serpent because of sin there is now going to be a big problem between you and the people of God for the rest of history there's going to be a conflict he says to the woman, there's going to be problems for you. You are going to have difficulties in marriage now and you're going to have difficulties in childbirth. He says to the man, there's going to be difficulties with you as well, with the ground and with work. It's no longer going to cooperate with you and there is going to be a difficulty when it comes to your labor. And you continue to read through the rest of the book of Genesis, the horrible effects of sin. You read story after story of characters that we used to think were good in Sunday school. But when you actually start discovering these characters, they're actually doing all the things that the curse did. They are fulfilling the curse and it spreads and the curse is still around today. And where did all of this sin come from? It came from a temptation when in essence, Satan said to Adam and Eve, take and eat the fruit. Take and eat. And what did they do? 
they took, they ate, they sinned, and there's consequences. Now, this is a very sad place to finish tonight. So I want to just finish with one last thing. But I want you to know that there's something very exciting coming tomorrow morning when Matt brings his next message. But I have to finish by telling you this, that sin came into the world because the serpent said to Adam and Eve, take and eat. The first man who was made in the image of God was supposed to rule over this earth, failed. And because of him taking and eating what the serpent said in a garden full of fruit, humanity experienced sin. Let's fast forward to many years later where we read according to the Gospel of Luke there was one who was known as the son of Adam. He was born through the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit led him into a wilderness. Not in a garden full of fruit where he has an advantage been in a wilderness where there's no food at all. And for 40 days, he ate nothing. And for those 40 days, he was tempted by Satan. And Satan tried to make him question God's goodness. He tried to make him be gratified. And he rejected what Satan said. He stood firm and he stood on what God's word says. And he rejected what Satan says. And then after that, Satan gave up on him. And for the next number of years, he obeyed God's law perfectly. And the night before, he would be crucified on a tree, he said to his disciples, take and eat. And they had taken and eaten. There's been one who said this before, but the first time someone said to Adam, take and eat, all humanity fell into ruin. But this time there is one who says, take and eat, and I will lift my people up. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we trust in him, we find hope. How and why? Well, I think you're going to learn all about that tomorrow morning. But I want to encourage you that sin is in this world and sin is what wrecks everything. Sin is what separates us from God. And the only way for us to be forgiven of our sin is to find hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because only he is able to obey God's law. And only he could take the punishment that we deserve. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity this evening to be able to be reminded of the entrance of sin into this world and to learn about its devastating and horrible effects, but to be reminded of the greatness of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. I pray that if there be anyone here tonight that does not know what it is to be forgiven of their sin, if there is anyone here who is still lost in their sin, dead in their sin, awaken them today, Lord. Help them to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and to experience life. Save them, I pray. And for those here that do love Jesus, help them to love him more and to follow him and to be blessed by the goodness of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.